Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast. This podcast was developed by and for Amazon sellers to give you the latest strategies that are working right now to grow your Amazon business, as well as how to plan for future growth and lifestyle. So if you're currently selling on Amazon or looking to get started in private label products on Amazon, then this is the right place to be to learn more about the ins and outs of the process and strategies it takes to get ahead and make a long-term sustainable business. So let's jump into today's topic. So, hey guys, it's Kirsty here. And in this episode, we're going to be speaking with Ken Kubik from Thrasio. And they are a company that actually acquires Amazon businesses. Um, they're actually the fastest growing acquirer as well. They've acquired over 45 brands so far. And um, they're actually acquiring them at a rate of three to five a month. So, pretty pretty good going. So, there must be a lot of Amazon businesses out there that, um, that are ready to be sold. And that's what we're going to be jumping into today. So, a little bit around, you know, what makes a great Amazon business to buy, what Ken and his team are actually looking for to buy as well, and how you can actually make sure that your business is attractive for someone like Thrasio to actually want to buy the business. So hi, Ken, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, under the current trying times, uh, as well as can be expected, just as we were discussing pre-call, uh, you know, parenting, uh, being an educator and um, buying Amazon businesses. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you might you might have a little spin off there on how to uh, yeah, how to exactly. educate kids. How to educate four kids, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, four kids, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So, well, before we actually yeah, jump into the Amazon stuff, first of all, what we'd like really like to do is understand a little bit about you, you know, your personal journey and how you actually ended up working at Thrasio and how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, great. So, I um, was born and raised in, in Cleveland, Ohio, went to college um, in upstate New York at Colgate University, um, graduated there, uh, and then moved to Boston and um, settled in Boston. And for about 13 years, um, of my thir first 13 years in the workforce, I was actually in investment management. So I was a stock analyst and portfolio manager investing in small cap technology stocks. Um, so really was, was an analyst and an investor. Um, and then in, I would say about 2016, 15, um, I just got burnt out on wall street. Um, kind of the everyday stress living, you know, went through the downturn in 2008 and 2009, uh, mm. not dissimilar to what's kind of taking place today in the stock market. I actually have a little PTSD from that time period of my <laughs> life. Um, it's not. It's nice. I don't have to stress about it as much um, today. Going living through it a second time, but uh, it just it just made me realize I wanted to do something that where I had more more control in the outcome. So when you're picking stocks, you there's not you know other people are running the businesses you're investing in. All you can really do is sit on the sidelines and manage risk. Um, so I actually got connected. Um, with an entrepreneur in Boston that uh, had an Amazon business as one of a few businesses. And it was a kind of $15 million a year uh, wholesale business so that we had relationships with over 250 suppliers, um, sports and outdoors, apparels, et cetera. Um, and he was looking for someone to come in and run that business day to day. So I joined as the COO 
Um, and it was, it was pretty similar to what I was doing before, you know, I had a, a pool of capital I was managing and it was looking for the best return on investment opportunities for wholesale. So, you know, we had relationships with, you know, the Sorrel Boots and a lot of these like large name brand, big box brands. And we were right, basically, we had a team of buyers writing POs and then, you know, reselling on Amazon. So that really, I did that for about two years and really just got to know everything about Amazon, you know, bidding for the competing for the buy box, et cetera. Um, and then I got connected with a gentleman, Carlos Cashman in Boston, who's one of the co-founders of Thrasio. And Carlos has a uh, diverse background, uh, built and sold numerous software companies, the most recent of which was actually a Facebook ad agency in Boston. And he teamed up with an, our other co-founder, Josh Silverstein in New York, who's um, again, very successful uh, venture capitalist within the consumer space, but also um, then pivoted to an operator, sat on many boards. Um, he was actually um, chairman of the board at the time of uh, Vara Launch. All so, right. So, uh, yeah. So he knew Casey really well. Um, and they were going to originally do a direct to consumer roll up strategy. So Josh was going to you know, fund the acquisitions, make the acquisitions, Carlos and his uh, software and SEO expertise, they were going to accelerate growth. Um, but as they you know, serendipitously um, learned more and more about the Amazon FBA uh, ecosystem and operating platform, they kind of honed in on that. And in the summer of 2018, made the first acquisition of a small uh, private label brand and then did two or three more um, started to gnash their teeth on um, running an Amazon business, all the trials and tribulations that come along with it, and then uh, really started raised uh, probably five million dollars of capital uh, and started to build out the team. I joined then in November of eighteen to run the front end of acquisitions, and just to give you a sense of the scale of which we've grown, uh, I was the eighth person in the company in November of eighteen. We now have over one hundred fifty people globally. Um, Three off, three offices in the U.S., Boston, New York, and Houston. Two offices overseas, um, and that's growing as well. So, we've gone wow. from three, three to forty-five plus acquisitions. We've raised, you know, from a couple million to well over one hundred fifty million dollars of capital. And, and and our business is is solely built around acquiring and operating Amazon businesses. So, I think mm -hmm. we're really unique in that everything from the um, due diligence process to the migration of the accounts to, you know, you know, replicating the advertising campaigns, everything. I mean, that's our whole company is built around that and, and being the best at it. Awesome. So, so essentially you've got, you've got kind of like a machine there waiting to go. You're looking for great opportunities, probably sole proprietors or, you know, you've got, they've got a business, but it's kind of like a one man, two person type business who are maybe looking to take some chips off the table or maybe start a new business. And you, you guys kind of like acquire them and, and can kind of pop it into the growth engine machine, right. And be able to explode the business. Yeah. 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 That's the, you know, so I'm sure the, everyone listening to this podcast knows you have to wear numerous hats as an Amazon seller. You have to, you have to know marketing, you have to know supply chain, how to negotiate with Chinese suppliers or, you know, wherever your suppliers are, are based, how to manage cash flow, how to model cash flow creative, you know, what looks good on, you know, you have to tell a story in six images on your listing, you have to write the content. So there's, there's all these levels of expertise that you, that, that are required to be a really successful Amazon seller. And that's the way we structured our company. So we have all those, all those functions are centralized within departments. So we have a marketing and advertising team and they oversee 
um, the marketing and advertising for every single brand that we buy um, mm-hmm. and manage. So it's not, they're, they're not little pods or just, you know, entrepreneur. We don't keep, we don't keep the entrepreneurs on or anything like that. It's just, you know, our team. Um, and the beauty in that is when you find one little tweak um, that works for one brand, you can then roll it out across your entire portfolio. Yeah. Um, so it's, and then we don't, as a buyer, we don't require the seller, you know, we're not, we don't require handholding post acquisition. We don't require, you know, 15, 20 hours a week for 60 days for us to learn the business and how to run the business. Um, mm. well. So it's quite a clean process. Cause I think one of your main aims as well is to get, once you, once you know which business to buy is to kind of make that process quite quick. I, I heard it was around 45 days or something like that. Is that, is that what you can't try? Yeah. For? yeah. Yeah. So our record is eight days. Um, from, <laughs> wow. from signing signing letter of intent to closing the deal, um, it's one of the it's one of the really interesting things in terms of uh, rolling up a- a- Amazon FBA businesses at scale is that you have the canonical source of data in Seller Central, so we could build a PNL pretty much within an hour. Which you know sometimes sellers they don't maybe they don't have an accountant or they're just using Hello Profit or another uh, third party software just to see how much they're making and. You know, they, they, sometimes they don't really even know how much they're making, right? They just see the cash coming in and the cash going out, but they've never really put together an accrual-based profit-loss statement. So, so yeah. that, that's just one of you. I think that's why it's very unique and that allows us to move at such a, a quick pace um, in terms of the, the due diligence. And then you just really need to reconcile supplier um, invoices and cost of goods sold. Uh, the rest of the data is pretty much within Amazon. Yeah, awesome. Well, we might delve into that process a little bit um, as yep. we go through and we, we chat a bit further. But the, one of the key things that people always ask us is, you know, what types of business, what types of Amazon businesses are best when it comes to what a potential buyer is looking for? So obviously you're a potential buyer. You know, what kind of businesses are you actually looking for so that people can think, oh yeah, my business is like that. So, I, you know, I do have the potential yeah. to sell one day. Yeah. So we, you know, I, I like to say we're very diversified. Um, and we, we actually have, I, I say, like to say we have more disqualifiers than qualifiers. So, um, you know, we, we don't want anything with high technology obsolescence risk. So, um, an example would be, you know, something that's like very uh, IT heavy, um, mm-hmm. Inside, you know, kind of inside a box or a form factor that changes rapidly. So, iPhone protectors, for instance, screen protectors, probably that's probably not an ideal business for us. We look for products that have stable, evergreen demand. You know, our 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 one our co CEO Carlos loves to say he's looking for the perfect spatula company <laughs> um, <laughs> to give you a sense of kind of what we what we really like and. You know, we, I, I like to say we, what we're really, in our process in the upfront, when we're looking for businesses, I like to f- focus on R cubed, I call it. So it's reviews, rank, and rating, right? Do you have the review count and quality to be, uh, you know, within the top five, top 10 within your category? Same thing. Do you have a high quality product or are you at, you know, 4.3 stars and you've been doing giveaways every day to stay there and your natural product quality is really a 3.9, you know, are you providing great customer service and then rank, you know, are you ranking organically for high volume search terms within your, you know, relevant search terms for your products and your product set. So those are, those are the kind of the, really the three things that we hone in on and the criteria we look for. Um, we're pretty much category agnostic outside of, 
anything that goes, you know, inside your body, um, mm-hmm. or, or topically on your body, which we, we, we tend to shy away from. So, you know, we haven't done anything in the supplement space. It's just, it, the margins are so, so large there. It's ground zero for black hat tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, a, an arena we don't want to play in, um, because of that. So we, we shy away from that. And then beauty too, we, you know, the same thing, you, anything that has, um, or makes unsubstantiated medical claims, um, you know, from anti-aging or you know, just, it's just, it, it's not a space that we've played in. There's enough opportunity out there in enough categories and products that are just that stable, hard good, um, yeah. you know, from oddly enough, outdoors to autos. What's that? I was going to say, oddly enough, that's pretty much exactly what we tell our members to not focus on is st- don't do cell phone accessories, don't do topicals, yeah. and don't do supplements unless you have to for some reason. Yeah, right. I mean, you can you can swoop in and, you know, if you, you do Black Hat Tactics, you can rank on page one and you, you can make some quick money. Um, but that's what all your competitors are doing. So you're going to, you're also, it's just not a sustainable business, right? Nope. I think. It's one of the things that I, uh, you know, when I talk to sellers is I'm sure you, you coach this as well is you have to treat it as a business. Um, Amazon, the the get rich quick days of Amazon are over in my opinion. Um, and if you don't treat it like a real business, it's not going to become a real business. Yeah, exactly. That's and funnily enough, that's why we ended up calling ourselves real coaching because it's a key thing that we kept saying over and over again was, you know, you have to you have to build a real business and, and treat it like a real business. And the other key thing that we do focus on as well, um, mainly as well to help people just get focused is building a brand. So building, you know, complementary products around a, a brand idea. So is that something that you particularly would look for as well? to be able to buy a business, you know, someone that's got that kind of, they've already kind of created that brand identity. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think as, as we look at out into the future of what we're building at Thrasio, um, the, the brand equity piece of it is coming more and more into light. So looking for products that not only thrive on Amazon, but also that have the opportunity to thrive outside the Amazon ecosystem. Yeah. Whether it be whether it be direct, other marketplaces, or you know, physical brick and mortar stores, as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and and it and it is. I mean, it depends on the category, but I mean, you guys know the statistics. Eighty five percent of search is unbranded. So, I, I think what what branding does on Amazon, whether it be if you're in a category and you have three or four products on page one within that category, it definitely it definitely creates a uh, security halo. Right. As con- when consumers are, are shopping and they and they see, oh, wow, it, you know, they have four products with 500 plus four and a half star reviews within this category. They must really know what they're doing in terms of product development on this in this category. Yeah, um, exactly. Right. And just just being able to help people understand that how you write to the customer, how you actually write as a voice of the brand as well. Yeah. Helps with all those areas that you were talking about earlier, you know, sourcing, um, writing your listings and then getting, you know, ready so that you get really high conversion rates as well. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's a great point. I think it's one of the, it's one of the biggest mistakes that I see sellers make. So I I've looked at and analyzed well over 400 Amazon businesses over the past, you know, kind of 18, 16 months. So the, the biggest, I think high return on investment activity that sellers do not do is invest in professional grade photography. <laughs> and lifestyle images, 
you know, it's they'll, they'll, they'll jump through holes to say five, $10,000 or generate that, but to, to spend that on, you know, professional photography and the photos, I mean, that is the number one thing that sellers look at. And I constantly come across listings that have, you know, Photoshop, it's all Photoshopped. The pictures don't tell a story and then you talk to them and their conversion rates are 7%. Yeah, <laughs> or five percent, and they're like, ah, yeah. And, but it's amazing because they, they might be doing a million dollars in revenue, you know, because yeah. just because they've they've had that, they they were there first. They claimed that beachfront real estate, and they have the listings, and they have the the product ratings and review count. But they could be doing double the triple the business maybe if they just took some money, some of their profits, and reinvested it in you know what you referenced as building building a brand. Yeah. And, and yeah. Increase, you, I was going to say, these are pretty much great tips on like, you know, how to, how to make sure your, your business is pumping better. Right. So like we talk about, you know, making sure your bullet points are done well, your images are done well. And pretty much yep. exactly as you said, make sure they're telling a story, get some lifestyle photos in there, show actual use of the product. Um, but I, I want to get from you, obviously, as, 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 as the team that buys Amazon businesses, when people are getting ready to sell, what kind of two or three main things should be, they, should they be kind of understanding about the concepts in their head that they really need to grasp, like to set their business up properly for sale. Because most people don't really like to do accounting. They don't really know what the buying and selling the mergers and acquisitions process is. Okay. There's got to be some things that they probably need to get prepared to even, you know, present something to you, correct? Yeah, right. So I, I, I think most sellers are going to want to see a, a monthly profit and loss statement. Um, uh, uh, on an accrual basis and, and, and accrual just means you're, you're matching expenses to revenue. So, you know, as a small business, you don't have a requirement up into a certain level. It might even be like 5 million or something like that. And revenue to, you know, a lot of sellers probably just do cash flow based accounting where it's like you recognize your cost of goods sold when you buy all the inventory and then subsequent months, you really don't have a cost of goods sold. Um, despite the revenue. So you have this huge variability and profitability. Yeah, so paper. September looks really bad every year. And then and October. Exactly. And then you, look yeah, you like crush it in December. You're like, <laughs> oh, I ran at a, you know, 70% profit margin. Yeah. But yeah, so, you, you know, having the cruel base, the real profitability of the business um, is key. Just, just, you know, making sure that all your expenses are, out, you know, allocated and, maintained in you know one or two bank accounts or, or cards so streamlining that a lot of times it's you know they have oh well i paid this i got this credit card uh this paypal account oh yeah i also consult so it's all intermingled um i don't know how to pull it apart right and then it just it just becomes a, a much cloudier transaction and due diligence process so think from the mind of the buyer and that like what what's going to make this an easy process what's going to make it easier for them to know how much i'm actually making so one you need to know that yourself two you have to set up your systems and put and put your systems in place that allow you to readily tell be able to tell that story to a potential buyer as well and then you know every buyer is going to be different so there's things that we really like about businesses that i think other buyers would shy away from um, for example, we love uh, hero product companies, right? We because we have a very large portfolio of ASINs, you know, we would love uh, we love seeing you know one product doing two million dollars a year in revenue. That's the entire business. Now, reality is uh, a lot of sellers 
don't like that, right? So they want to, you know, it's, I call it the sleep at night, night factor. So they diversify and launch new products. And that's the right thing to do to, to continue to scale the business. You can't just rest on one product, right? If it gets shut down or attacked or hijacked. But that's something that's, I think, unique to us as buyers is we love that. So a lot of brokers will tell you that it's not a marketable business and people are going to shy away from it. Um, but that's something that um, we really love. Yeah, and I think it um, makes sense when you're describing how your business model works. Obviously, you are working in stock markets and stuff like that. So you like to see those hero stocks, right? So it's like, yeah. these are the winning stocks that you can trust and bank on to make you money grow in year and year, year in and year out. And so you're thinking, just get a bunch of those. You're diversified yep. through your portfolio, whereas the person who sold it to you was not. And now you have all these winning, essentially, stocks in your business. Yeah, and that's, and that's what I, you know, so one of the big questions I always get is, you know, how much do you value a Shopify business or, you know, off Amazon? And the answer I always give is it depends on how big it is, right? If it's, if it's 5%, 3% of total revenue, it doesn't matter. Right. So I, I think a lot of people will say, you got to go off Amazon. You got to go off Amazon. You got to go off Amazon. And when you take you know, a 20,000 foot view. I mean, Amazon's 60% of e-commerce in the U S and I think that share is accelerating right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if you go on to Walmart at best, you're probably going to be five to 10% of your revenue. You're going to get a nice bump, but you know, if you're now running out of stock on Amazon because you're shifting capital to Walmart and it's going to be a, probably a lower return investment of your time and energy and capital, I just stay, just focus on Amazon, really, you know, fortify your presence there. And then over time, when you have some discretionary capital, I would recommend allocating off, you know, um, running a Shopify business is very different than running an Amazon business. Uh, you have to contend with customer acquisition costs. Um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you don't have enough profit dollars per product to actually advertise to consumers and acquire customers, it's just not, a, you know, it's a value destroying exercise in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I call it, uh, so a lot of people call it diversification. I call it diversification. Um, <laughs> and then like for the that. right brand, you know, for the right brand, it, it mm-hmm. makes sense. And I think it does make sense. But if Amazon shuts you down, if Shopify is 5% of your revenue, your business is done. So yeah, we... if, it's, if it's 15, 20%, then that's a different story. But yeah. I, I just think it's two different skill sets, completely different skill sets as well required yeah. to be successful. It's, it's funny. It's like we completely briefed you before you got on the call, but we say oh, exactly well, I, I always, I always hesitate because <laughs> some people are like, you got to go off Amazon. You got to go off Amazon. <laughs> and, uh, you know. No, no, we, um, no, we, we say exactly the same thing, mainly from personal experience, right? Because um, personally, I also went off on that tack, you know, I've got this great Amazon business. Now I'm going to completely diversify what I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I spent like 50 grand, 50, nearly to a hundred thousand dollars just trying to get off Amazon until I fully understood that process of, I need X amount of dollars profit in each product. And then I need those, all those products to work. Yeah. And I need to understand how to drive traffic all the way through, you know, like you said, it's a completely different business model. Um, one that you should do, like you said, when you've got capital and your Amazon business is kind of like fully on. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, sell it to you and maybe um, just start another Amazon business. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That happens a lot. Um, that happens a lot, yeah. 
So that's that's great to hear from your perspective as well, because I think that's what a lot of people, we do have a lot of people saying to us, but before I sell, I need to do this. So it's a, it's a great to hear from you that you actually don't really need to do that. Yeah, I, I think, if, look, if, it, if, if you can get to a place where, and, and we've seen this, but it's also, it's typically been reverse engineered. So if you're at 50% Shopify, 50% Amazon, it's because you were successful on Shopify and then people started searching for your product on Amazon. So it just goes to show mm-hmm. I've come across a lot of businesses that started, you know, hundred percent direct to consumer. And then they're like, well, the, all the consumers are uh, on Amazon. So mm-hmm. I had to start selling there and now Amazon's taken over because the velocity, right. I mean, it's is yeah. so large. Yeah, exactly. Also one thing that people ask us all the time is, it's great. They know now what to do with their business to get it ready to sell. But when is the best time? Because, you know, it's kind of a little bit like a chicken and egg situation. You get it moving, you're starting to get the cash flow in, and then you're like, oh, I'll just hang on to it for a bit longer and, and wait and wait and wait. So in your from your perspective, when do you think is the best time to sell an Amazon business? Yeah. So uh, I liken it to getting married or having kids. There is no best time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's only the right time for you. So but that being said, you know, I'll, I'll kind of all jokes aside, I, I think you really need to do the work on how, what is the realistic scale that you can get to, right? So do, do the research, look at your keyword universe, look at the demand, look at your competitors, and you really need to forecast out, hey, at, at this dollar, this product is going to peak at this dollar level. And then you, depending on, and then calculate probability success of the other products in your portfolio and how mm-hmm. big they can get. And then, you, I mean, you might, you know, I, I think a lot of sellers that I've seen, you know, the, the, look, there's a, there's a growth curve, a typical growth curve that I've seen on successful Amazon businesses that break through kind of the $500,000 level. So it's like, you know, 50 to 75,000, you know, year one or year two, and then you're at 150,000, and then you're at 500,000, and then you're at like 1 million, 1.2. And then it, the curve starts to dampen a little bit because, you know, they, they either stopped investing in new products, they became capital constrained, or whatever it may be. So, you know, I think you need to have an, a, a realistic view of how big the, your current products can get as a portfolio, and then work back from that. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you, you want to be selling, you know, quite candidly at your strongest point. Um, so as growth is, you know, accelerating or is, is very healthy, the, the minute that the curve starts to roll over and we, we value the businesses on trailing 12 months profit um, for every acquisition. So if you're, you know, at the, and, and then we, we, we will wait the nearer term performance, you know, as well within that. So if you had a great December, but now we're sitting in June and your revenue and profits are, you know, have been declining, you know, five, 10% a month, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be reflected in, in, in your business valuation. Uh, subsequently, if you've been powering through and you've been growing, um, that's also going to be reflected in, you know, what, what, what a buyer is willing to pay for the business. So, you know, it's just like any, any, any kind of business, Mm-hmm. If, if it starts and then your astute buyers, right? Like we obviously know what's happened to us. We've seen it, you know, once you start to lose momentum on Amazon, it's, it's costly and time consuming to get it back. Right. Yeah. So, um, we, we have the fortunate, um, 
we have the fortune of having a lot of capital. So to, to put and invest in businesses after we purchase them, um, whether it be new product launches or really uh, jamming on PPC to move up rank or recapture a bestseller tag or Amazon's choice badge. Um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs don't have that, right? So we can run a product at break even for a month or two if we if we really wanted to um, and made that, you know, economic decision to recapture a bestseller tag, for instance. But yeah. for an individual seller, I don't think they just have, they don't have the capabilities to do that. So I mean, I, I, my recommendation is always sell from a, a point of strength mm-hmm. and weakness. Um, you, you'll have more buyers, you'll, you'll get a higher valuation um, and, and you'll feel, you know, comfortable, I, hopefully with the deal that you get. Now, there's also the way we structure our deals, you know, which we could talk to if you wanted to get into that down the road or um, but we, we, we offer performance payments that allow the sellers to participate. Um, the future upside of the business. So that's one way too. if you are negotiating, maybe you want to do that. Right. So you don't have that, that fear of missing out um, if you are selling it uh, from a point of strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So essentially you might be at that breaking. I'm just trying to think of the emotion behind it. Right. So you're like, yeah, I know if I, you know, my trailing 12 months. Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. If, um, and essentially so one thing, uh, one thing as you were talking there as well, I was thinking if I was going to coach someone on this, I would think as well, you need a goal, right? So number one, as a, as a seller yourself or as a business owner, you'd be like, if, if I could have X amount of dollars in my bank account, I would feel pretty yeah. awesome right now, right? So if you kind of had that in mind with then the view of understanding what your accrual accounting is and you're trailing 12 months, um, understanding when you hit that point and when you get to that point, it's like, okay, now is the time versus, oh, maybe I can eke out an extra, you know, 500,000 or million dollars because then they could maybe come to a, either a broker or a buyer like yourself and then say, well, I can share in that growth with you, take less kind of upfront and then sharing the growth as you guys kind of accelerate it through. So yep. that way you can kind of share in the potential as opposed to, and then also get the money that you wanted to get in your bank account when you kind of set that goal a while ago. Yeah. And look, every, everybody has their own personal financial goals. So, um, you know, some people are like, Hey, I can grow this and sell it for 5 million. And some people are like, you know, I'll take a million and I'll reinvest that. And this new, this new product I have, or this new, this other brand I launched. And I, I, I want the capital for that. And I'm just getting bored. Um, this one's kind of on autopilot. So it's really, it's up to the individual, but I mean, if, I, if, you know, the current situation is any, you know, example of what can, what can happen, right? It's just, yeah. there's so many unknowns. Um, in the Amazon ecosystem that, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I can't, you know, I, I talk to sellers all the time and deal with them and coach them through the, the, the discussions. And there's a lot of times where we, we don't come to a deal and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to continue to run it. And, and a lot of them, you know, over the past year have come back six months later and they've delivered on what they said they were going to and, you know, rekindle the conversation. So I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Yeah. Uh, it's really, to your point, having a goal and, and knowing, you know, why you're selling, um, what you plan on, you know, doing with the proceeds, whether it might just be peace of mind, right. Um, yeah. stressed out and you, you just don't want to deal with it anymore or you want to de-risk or you want to reinvest it in something else. Yeah. I, I, like, 
Yeah, go on, Isaac. I was going to say, I like what you're talking about because, you know, a lot of people think they see their sales on Amazon just keep going up and like, oh, this can happen forever. There's no limit on Amazon, right? Well, once you hit that top ranking, once you start to see that there's a competition coming in, you kind of start to even out and you start to plateau. And one thing that we always talk about is the lifestyle you want, right? Because a lot of people come from like a corporate job or kind of a high stress job and they don't want to repeat that lifestyle again. What they want is a, a job that they can work from home and not have to manage a team of 30, 40, 50 people necessarily and make that business grow. But that's when they have to make that decision. Like you were saying, Kirstie's like, here's my goal money wise, but here's also my goal of what I want to commit to this business in time. And that's kind of where it meets. I think what might be a really good idea of like, here's now the point where I can sell. And uh, you know, that I think that's a great point because I think a lot of people listening will just think, yeah, you know what? Let's keep growing. But in reality, yeah. there is going to be a plateau based on your resources or based on your time or just your effort into the business or how much you've burnt out on it or whatever. And that's not the best time to sell. It's it's probably six months before that ever happens that you uh, you wanted to sell that business. So it's yeah. good to know. Um, and look, it's, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything really to go through a process too, if yeah. you're on the fence and look, test the market. I mean, in reality, you know, I think it's, it's probably less now, but, um, I've seen some statistics that, you know, only like 40% or so of businesses actually get sold and clear the market. So I, I, you know, the the other, they just don't get a a buyer uh, at the table or, um, can't come to terms, but it doesn't cost anything, um, to just start to explore it. And who knows, you might, you know, get an offer and you sit on it for the weekend and you're like, Oh, actually that, (laughs) That would be pretty nice to have right now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Until you until you go through it and it's and it's staring you like a lot of things, a lot of decisions staring you in the face. It's hard. It's hard to make in a, in a theoretical world. Yeah, exactly. So, speaking of actual the process of selling it, can you kind of just briefly explain exactly what the process is from when somebody contacts you to how your team works with them? Yeah. So we're we're pretty efficient. I deal with pretty much every seller that contacts the company you know, myself or another gentleman on my team, Kevin. So we do initial conversation and this is, you know, we, we obviously buy businesses from brokers and that's just a, 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 you know, different process, but we always recommend that people, you know, reach out to us um, and just have a conversation that, you know, they can save on a broker fee if we do wind up buying them. Um, and we wind up seeing all the businesses from the brokers anyway. So, but it's a, it's a, it's a introductory con- conversation. Look at the brand um, we do a lot of competitive analysis and market analysis, uh, on the front end. And then we make a decision basically if it's something that we would find interesting and would be a great fit with our portfolio. If that's the case, we move pretty quickly to making an offer. So I would say that somebody reaches out, we do a call within a few days. Um, assuming we can we, we have at least some semblance of profitability of the business um, we can, you know, enough to make an offer on, we'll, we'll make an offer. There's usually a little bit of a back and forth negotiation, you sign the letter of intent, um, term sheet. And at that point it moves into the formal due diligence process. And that typically is, is probably about 20 days, um, within due diligence. And that's where we're recreating the financials, um, analyzing the bank accounts, et cetera. Um, you know, reconciling cost of goods sold through supplier invoices and what have you. Um, there's usually a, a series of calls around operations, marketing, supply chain um, with our internal team. And then it's, you know, the first draft of, 
you're getting the of the asset purchase agreement um, with three four weeks into it, um, turning that with your console, uh, and then signing of the asset purchase agreement, and then it begins the migration period where the account Amazon account gets migrated over to us, and that's usually seven to fifteen days depending on um, Amazon's responsiveness um, during that period, um, and then kind of the deals consummated at, at the end of that migration period. Yeah, so it sounds like pretty much the, if you've got your invoices from your suppliers and your freight forwarders and that kind of stuff, if you've got QuickBooks accounting or an, an accountant actually helping you do your bookkeeping, or if you just know how to do that yourself and keep that up to date every month. And basically, if you have an Amazon account that you would give access, they would give access to you, that's pretty much like a three-step process of the three biggest things they would need to kind of get ready to sell. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's all they really need. And that's, and that's, it's an important point, Isaac, because a lot of times sellers think they need everything completely buttoned up and, um, you know, in a package or anything like that. I mean, for us, we've built a lot of profit and loss statements for sellers and um, we're happy to just even do that and hand it back to them and be like, all right, here you go. And if if you do want to sell it or, you know, we'll have a discussion, if not, that's okay. And at least, at least you know how much you're making and, you can also just go share that as well um, if you want. So essentially, if a buy, if a seller doesn't necessarily have all their accrual counting, you know, in in all its glorious form, would you actually do that process for them as well? You'd do a quick due diligence on that process, or would they need to bring that to you? Uh, no, we we could do that for them. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. It would be you know we we, we would want to you know it, it is a little labor intensive on our end, uh, but. If, it, if we were interested in the business, we would, have, we would do it. You know, I just don't, I don't want to get a flutter with you. be like, Oh, can you do my accounting? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more like if someone was listening now and they're like, you know what, maybe, maybe it is a good time for me to, yeah. you know, and they don't get, you know what it's like when you talk to people and then they get bogged down in the process of actually doing the thing and they never do it. So yes, yes. rather than wait, they can still contact you. Yes. hundred percent. Cool. And also you were saying um, earlier, and you've got this big team, obviously, you know, you guys, you know, also a lot about actually selling on Amazon, right? So when you actually take businesses in, are there any common mistakes? You mentioned a a bit there around, um, you know, conversion rates, but are there any kind of common things that that most Amazon sellers don't do that you're able to kind of like, you know, put the engine in so that they can start thinking about these things as well in terms of how how do they actually start to grow their business in a better way. Yeah. I mean, I think a big thing, right, is there's just scale economies that come with certain activities. Um, you know, obviously supply chain and, and purchasing power is one of them and consolidation of shipments, et cetera. The advertising piece, our, our team is incredible. Um, so, I, you know, I would just say if, you, if you're not, uh, you know, a student of advertising on Amazon, um, become one tomorrow because that's, it's becoming a pay to play platform and, mm-hmm. you know, um, just outsourcing it to somebody. I mean, it, it, it changes, you know, constantly. Right. So you have to be really comfortable with whoever you're outsourcing it to, you know, no, knows, knows what they're doing and, you know, is acting in your best interest, which might not always be the case either. Right. So you know, there's a lot of agencies and stuff and they're being, you know, percentage of spend or, you know, there's a lot of, I think you, you have to, you have to learn the advertising game. Yeah. Um, 
and be a student of it first and foremost. Um, it's just going to be increasingly become a key element of success operating within Amazon. And then just, again, treating it like a business, you know, it's not, um, I think that's something that our, our mindset internally is, you know, every decision that we make for a brand and we dedicate a lot of time and resource to every single brand and acquisition and coming up with a playbook. And then every decision is, is based on, you know, what's the return on this investment that we're going to make, whether it be, launching a new product, just deciding to put more money into the campaign budgets to reshooting creative, maybe, you know, hiring influencers, hiring, you know, celebrities, like maybe launching, launching a licensing, license agreement and license product. I mean, there's a lot of things that people could be doing and it's really treating each decision as, is this going to improve the value of the brand and the company? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think what I heard you say there in terms of, you know, like a, say a one person, two person band who's doing this thing, maybe they've got a couple of outsourcers, but really good, uh, you know, quality products that bring you really good margin. Make sure that you understand the life cycle of your product. Also, you know, make sure that you invest in great quality images and great quality uh, listings so that you get great conversion rates and be a master of or understand really understand Amazon sponsored ads or um, the Amazon advertising platform as it's yeah. now becoming right, um, yeah. and keep the engine moving on Amazon yeah. and, and don't diversify off of Amazon until you are really set up in the right way. Yeah, that is a great. Or, or maybe summer. not even ever. <laughs> yeah. ever. I mean, it yeah. depends. You know, you, yeah. you gotta like. You know, if you're again like spatulas, if you're selling spatulas, have you ever been served in Instagram? Like, who's going to go direct and buy, go through the and, and search for a spatula on Google and go to your spatulas USA.com site and buy one, right? I mean, kind of yeah. use, common, use common sense and hope is not a strategy. You know? <laughs> yeah, awesome. so I was going to say, you know, a lot of great tips there about, you know, how to not even just sell the business and, and how to prepare for sale, but also how to, you know, get up and running and, and make it better and better. But I was just curious if you have like, you know, any last, you know, cause a lot of people are going to probably sit here and listen to what you're saying and try to reverse engineer how to revalue their process and be like, okay, so what I hear Ken saying is he's looking for this. So now I'm going to do that in my business. So if there was something that you would say specifically, and I, I'm not trying to drive up valuations on the, Buyer yeah. on, the, you know, on their <laughs> side necessarily, but um, I'm sure you'll you'll like to see bigger businesses or you know more more successful businesses coming your way anyway. Absolutely, there's something that you might give them as a tip, saying you know if, if we could say you know here's one or two things right here, focus on these things, and then that that'll make you you know better in our eyes. Yeah, I mean, number one is ride your winners, um, and that's that's something that I learned investing in the stock market. You know. Your your good your good stocks slash your good products uh, honestly are, are going to be kind of few and far between. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have you know it's going to be twenty percent carrying eighty percent of your business. Um, so make sure you, you identify which products those are, and they they should actually get a, a lion's share of your time and energy and focus. Right. So if you have a product that's in the top five or top ten in a category, you know focus on getting that up to the next level. Don't focus all your time and energy on, all right, now I got to launch the next one. Now I got to launch the next one, you know, figure out where that, where you can get that product and 
dedicate the most time and energy there because that's going to be your highest, you know, return on investment and return on time as a business owner. Uh, right. So if you have, again, an example earlier, a product that's doing a million dollars a year and it's at a 10% conversion rate, like if you get that conversion rate on 20%, that's $200,000 of profit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's real money versus just launching a new product and, and like, you know, the appeal of trying to build and launch an, a new product. I mean, it's, it, it becomes a game of incremental improvements um, for, for your, your hero products that really make a massive impact on your bottom line. Yeah. And it could even be, it, it could just be a, you know, a, a, a simple, you know, supply chain renegotiation every three or six months or every order. What volume discounts can you get? I mean, you just got to really focus on those and it's just going to have such a huge impact. And I, and I feel as though a lot of sellers launch and they're like, all right, that one's, that one's okay. Let me move on to the next one. Right. And I, th- I think it's just, they're doing themselves a, dis- a disservice at the end of the day. Yeah. And it sounds a lot like the Steve Jobs scenario of cut the crap out, right? Focus on the things that yeah. are doing well. So when he came back to Apple, they had like 200 plus products and he's like, cut it down to these 10. That's what yeah. we're focusing on from now on. Yeah. 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 And I think we've, um, with Isaac and I, you know, we've been selling on Amazon for the last seven years now. Um, I did exactly the same mistake as you just talked about, you know, basically, like I said earlier, diversifying off of Amazon, but also, Hey, I've got these awesome products that are doing awesomely well. I'm just going to, you know, launch shed loads more of them and do it all at once in loads of different marketplaces because that's going to make me grow. But then the problem is that you're spinning all these plates that if there, if there is a hole or a leaky bucket, you don't know which one to plug first, right? So um, I complete, I haven't come full circle again. You know, I've got like eight products now that go really well and just really focusing in on those and making them better when they drop, working out what, you know, what the problem is. Makes your life easier, yeah. but also it just keeps you really focused on the growth as opposed to spray and pray. Yep. Well, and you, and you are going to get uh, scenarios too, where, you know, your hero products inevitably something's going to, you know, someone's going to attack you or, you know, if you, if you are getting into that top position, you, you shift from offense to defense and you just, you, you have to even be even more focused when you're on defense. Right. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And it's a different mindset, but what I try and what we try and help people with is even though you're in defensive mode, have a mindset of offensive because yep. it's harder to you it's it's a mindset shift of um I'm, I'm i was at the top and now i'm falling versus i'm i'm chasing right you feel better when you're chasing versus when you're falling but you kind of got to switch yep. the mindset around a bit yep yeah i think i think a lot of people always have that mentality that if they just keep you know trying to get up further and further and further they'll they'll eventually get to the top but once they get there they don't realize that the only thing you can do from there is go down. Yeah, they're, they're at the top. <laughs> like, you have to now switch your game plan. But yeah, so great advice there. That's a great tip, actually. Yeah. Awesome. So um, just in terms of where people can reach you, obviously, I think you've got a lot of people now that are going to be like, right, I'm going to see if I can sell my business. So at Thrasio, where can they reach you? Have you got any? And we'll obviously put them into the show notes as well. Um, below yeah, well. so if people can reach out to me directly. It's just Ken, K-E-N, at Thras.io, T-H-R-A-S.io. You can ping me on LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, my last name's Kubek, K-U-B-E-C. Or uh, 
uh, our website, thras.io, T-H-R-A-S.io. Um, there's a form fill there. Those submissions come to my team. So um, someone will be in touch with you through that as well. Awesome. Well, thanks. And then, one, and then once these conference circuits finally gets back up, we'll be present at most of them. Awesome. Yeah. Brilliant. As well. Yeah. We'll be able to get a meet in real life, not just virtually, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll, it'll be refreshing and we'll all appreciate, we'll all appreciate those a lot more, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, excellent. Thank you very much, Ken. You know, obviously we want to thank you for joining us. All the great insights and the strategies that you set, you know, for us to understand how to sell Amazon business and get it set up for sale and also just how to run it in general. You know, that's the backing, backing everything that we teach all of our members every day. So guys, if you like what you heard today, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share our podcast with friends who also might get value out of it as well. And if you're looking for some absolutely free Amazon training, you can go to our website, www.goteamreal.com, and you can download the free training there. See you guys next week on the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for your business, and we'll see you there. Bye for now. All right. Thanks for all you guys are doing for the ecosystem. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, Head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.